Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Alexis Thompson. Alexis is the creator of the Tribal Gratitude Journal, a keynote speaker, a board-certified executive coach, and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. She also served as adjunct staff for the Center of Creative Leadership and is the author of the Tribal Gratitude Journals, curated a collection of short stories called Gratitude 540, and is building a retreat center in Vermont that will be a safe space for souls to show up. In The Power of Gratitude Leader, Alexis shares how you can begin to integrate who you are and how you lead. She offers tools, tenets, and relatable stories to support your journey towards becoming an integrated and graceful leader. You'll find yourself making better decisions, building healthier relationships, and experiencing joy, love, and compassion as you transcend into the leader you were born to be. Alexis and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can step into your greatness by enhancing your strength, creating strategies that bridges gaps, and empowering followers to do the same. Good morning, Alexis. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. The Power of a Graceful Leader is an excellent book showcasing the importance of being the authentic you. And most importantly, it is about leading people and managing situations. It's very well written and congratulations on its release. Thank you very much. Well, let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And I do want to let you know we do have the whole hour. (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for that because 54 years could take at least that so um, I guess I guess I'll start with where I started Mm -hmm. and where I am because they are in the same space so Mm -hmm. I grew up in Vermont um, and I spent the first um, couple of decades of my life well almost three decades of my life in um, Vermont and upstate New York and then I had a calling to move to Texas Um, with a job relocation, and I found myself there for about 25 years and just recently made the loop back to Vermont. And um, while I always could see myself having a summer home in Vermont, the um, desire not to live in winter was one of the catalysts that brought me down to Texas. Um, And here I am sitting in the Green Mountain um, in a very snowy, beautiful kind of like snow globe experience. So, and the miraculous part of that is I'm loving it. And I would never have thought in a million years that I could not just enjoy or tolerate the winter months, but actually find um, reverence and and lots of joy during these winter months. It's been a surprise, a pleasant surprise. The interesting thing what I see is that you can always get one of Bernie Sanders' mittens. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny that you say that because there's a company that wasn't in Vermont because that uh-huh. teacher, she later partnered with um, Vermont Teddy Bear Company to create those. But I did buy a pair from, a, I think they were in Utah, called uh, Jolly Woolies. So I do. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> very, very yeah. interesting. Who were some of the influences when you were growing up? You know, I sat with this for a minute um, because I struggled. I was a, as a young person, I lost my way or, um, in books. So it was always mm-hmm. authors, like Stephen King was big then, Judy Bloom was a young girl. Um, but oddly enough, I've had one steady um, person that I, I don't know why I fell in love with her, but in one of my classes mm-hmm. in high school, mm-hmm. um, Margaret Mead made a, an intense impression on me. Um, both by her work and her belief that small groups of people can make major impact. And somehow that, that quote and the body of her work has resonated with me my whole life um, mm-hmm. to the point where that's actually what I do for a living. So um, I would say Margaret Mead. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. How did you discover the power of gratitude? I know you're really into gratitude and you were on the <laughs> spiritual journey and so forth. So if you don't mind, share it with us because it's a very interesting journey. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. And I never tire of talking about this. So um, <laughs> it's been a couple of decades now that I would say my gratitude practice is now pretty robust. But mm-hmm. the first six-ish years of um, having a gratitude practice started with a gratitude journal. Um, it started from studying positive psychology, um, figuring out how to change your mindset, how to reframe a life so that you could start designing the life that was, you, were, you were here to live rather mm-hmm. than one by default. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what got me interested. But um, I, I would start and stop it over six years. And it was because it was mostly a journaling activity. And I do indeed like to write, um, but I'm not the most consistent creature on the planet. So I do it for I do it for like thirty days and then I put it away for thirty months and so I pick it up and, and put it down pretty frequently and what I started to understand um, was that the consistency was the magic right and I mm-hmm. think that most of us cognitively know that but until you experience it in a practice of any type right you mm-hmm. don't really get it um, so I committed to a good full year of my practice which was you know, waking up and expressing gratitude in a journal and before I would go to bed, having the reflections around um, my day. Mm-hmm. It was very simple, simple, Simon. And then as I started working in my executive coaching practice, um, I would send everyone a, a beautiful leather journal and I'd be like, okay, we're going to journal. And they're mm-hmm. all like, no, I don't think we're going to do that. Um, <laughs> and the, all the blank pages were overwhelming. So we ended up, I ended up creating the Tribal Gratitude Journal, which we've talked about in the past, because it just made it succinct. It's a morning and an evening practice that literally can take 10 minutes out of your day and still have the huge impact as though you wrote for hours and sat in meditation. Mm-hmm. And it's just because of the consistency factor and the patterning and the reframing that you do along that work. And, and gratitude um, is really, I've written an article, and it's a chapter in the book, is gratitude is the entry point for gracefulness mm-hmm. in your life and then as a leader, whether you're leading yourself or others. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty big piece of my fabric. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. In yeah. your spiritual journey, when did the safe space show up for you? Basically your yeah. soul. Yeah. I, I love this question. And I think that there were, as a young person, I had moments of that. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere with my mom Um in moments of the, I used to like to write my mom letters because that way she could digest it, get mad at me and quiet, and then we could talk about it. 
um, and that that act of writing letters to my mom created a little bit of distance, which was the beginning of what I was learning about space for me as far as creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you as I fast forwarded in life, I found it. Um, one of the gratitudes in the back of the book is a gentleman named Mark Benoit. So I'm in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s at the time. And, um, you know, he was just a kind of a example of what grace could look like. I certainly didn't have that mm-hmm. word at the time, but he was gentle and kind, yet firm and, and accountable. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so he became a safe place in that moment, those few years of my life. Uh, and then, and then eventually, which I think is the journey for most of us when we we take this journey, is that I'm now my own safe place, right? I've cultivated practices and ways of being with myself that I mm-hmm. can create the safety um, within myself, so it doesn't need to be an external um, indicator. Right, right. So yeah. true. Very yeah. true. So, when did grace arrive in your life? Um, you know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I guess the short answer is it's always been here. I think it's been Mm -hmm. mostly an awakening to what has always been kind of just laying dormant for me at least. Um, And, and really just as you do more heart centered work and you're able to travel the distance, it's a really short distance, but it feels like the longest trip between your head and your heart as you're able (laughs) to transcend back, back and forth subconscious way, but having done it consciously and with great intention you, your grace center, your heart center and your grace center just start to kind of float to the top. And it's a place where you learn how to be within and then mm-hmm. it transcends your being over time. So, yeah. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So what is grace? Because you're talking about it and you're using it as a leadership skill. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, this is interesting. People ask this question all the time because I think most <laughs> of us have grace in a religious kind of connotation, right? That's how we have right. most interacted with it, both mm-hmm. in song and in, in, in writing. And in, in this particular case, um, you know, I liked Richard Rudd is a, is a gentleman I enjoy reading, and, and he explains this, this grace thing as you're being careful without being fearful, you're caring without being overbearing, and you're candid without being cruel. And I think that that, you know, that's his definition, which was that, which has a resonance with me for sure. Mm -hmm. And in the context of this book and in the context of um, leadership, grace Mm -hmm. is the experience of a loving, connected compassion within yourself. And graceful leadership is grace in action. So it's Mm -hmm. the internal experience of your own grace. And then leadership is learning to move it into um, action in the outer world. Very, very interesting. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Why did you decide to write The Power of a Graceful Leader? So um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, again, you had some really mm-hmm. good questions that I haven't been asked before, and I really appreciate the <laughs> thinking time. So I don't know that I made the decision as much as the decision was made through me, rather not. It was a heart-based decision, not a head-based decision. Um, yeah. And it became about from a pattern that I was, you know, I do executive coaching, and over at the time, there was just over 100 people that I was just looking. I like to look for patterns in behavior and what types of people are coming my way and what types of problems are they trying to solve. And one of the things that was, was like really big, it was over 50% of the population that was coming to me, they were looking for this connection. You know, we talk about mind, body, and spirit or mind, body, mm-hmm, and soul. Mm-hmm. And we think yoga. 
At least that's what mm-hmm. I used to think. And yoga is awesome, and it does help. Um, mm-hmm. But in a business context, it was not as easily translatable. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was mm-hmm. trying to find, I was just called to find the practical, the relatable story mm-hmm. within this concept that people could put into action a little at a time over time. And that's the calling into this book. Very interesting. And what would you like for the readers to gain from reading The Power of a Graceful Leader? Uh, yeah, there's so much. But if I was to have to narrow it down, um, if someone interacts with this book and they walk away with a desire either to continue or to start, and it doesn't matter where, it's wherever they are, right. to really take to be still and get to know themselves beyond the layering of the mask or the layering of the roles or any layering that we've done um, through our lives, to really intimately understand essence of self, that would be a huge one for this, this book. Okay. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the things in there. What are the six tenets of graceful leadership? Yes. Yeah, so the six, the six tenets are integrating mind, body, and soul, evolving alignment of soul and self, transparency, self, and others, connecting self and universe, co-creating, innovation, and compassionately powerful in all things. And I guess what's important to know here is this is not a linear thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, you know, and I'm, I've gotten feedback, but I'd love more, but the intention of the book was if you went – in the back, I made the list because when I get a book like this, I like to have like a snapshot of, <laughs> okay, what is the overlying <laughs> arching theme? And I, I hate yeah. it. I hate, I always frustrated me to have to pull them out of the book. So they're in the back. And if any one of these things struck a chord, maybe you met with some mm-hmm. resistance, that would probably be the best place for you to start. And then if that's the only reason you ever pick up the book, that's okay. That would be a success. I agree. What's interesting is this. If you pick up a book, it's like, oh, my God, there's so much to read, right? I mean, nowadays we <laughs> want everything summarized in like under 140 yeah. characters. <laughs> the book is beautifully designed, by the way. I love especially the very last page you talk about because, like, if I were to pick it up and look at it, okay, the six sentence of graceful leadership. As I look at this and I read, and depending on where my journey is at, where I'm at mm-hmm. in my journey, so to speak, yeah. it piqued my interest. And then I would start basically turn pages to find out yeah. and read more about where it's at. So it's very beautifully laid out from that perspective. Thank you. I'm glad it resonated because it was, it was definitely a very intentional process that we went through in the design. So thank you for the feedback. That's wonderful. How has the sixth tenet helped you in your leadership journey? Mm, yeah. Well, in every single way and some... I mean, the, good, the cool part about this is I'm still really refining um, personally in a few of these areas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that I continue to, because of how I'm wired and my history and my environmental growth and epigenetics and all the things that make Rexy Rexy, I will mm-hmm. continue always to have to really work in this compassionately powerful piece. Um, and in the book, there's some, there's some stories a little bit about myself in here around as a woman, you know, coming up through the business world, having the the belief system or the dual thinking that I could either be compassionate or I could be mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. And that the two, I had to make a choice. And as I grew and began to understand my own essence, 
the truth really is more a unified truth. And that meant that both these things could exist together. And so I started practicing it, and I goofed it up way more than I got it right for a long time. I had a lot of what I call etch-a-sketch moments where um, I'd try up with somebody uh, it, either instantaneously or in some way mm-hmm. that said, nope, you failed, didn't the intention to <laughs> the action. And so I'd go, I'd say, can I have an etch-a-sketch moment, you know, and like a do-over? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that was, has been really helpful for me with that tenant specifically. And we're each going to have um, different ones that are going to create more resistance. I'd say the next one for me is the transparency mm-hmm. piece. I, I understand in a cognitive way that my vulnerability mm-hmm. is my power, mm-hmm. but in my emotional landscape, which is still and always evolving, um, mm-hmm. there's an innate fear that I have to battle with every time I go into mm-hmm. that particular tenant and mm-hmm. that way of being. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't think you ever complete them. I just think you, you refine and you, your moments of recovery are closer together, and which is right. progress. Yeah. Right. That's true. Very, very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchasers, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Alexis Thompson. Alexis is the creator of the Tribal Gratitude Journal, a keynote speaker, board-certified executive coach, and a member of the Folks Coaches Council. She also serves as adjunct staff for the Center of Creative Leadership and is the author of the Tribal Gratitude Journals. Curated a collection of short stories called Gratitude 540 and is building a retreat center in Vermont that will be a safe space for souls to show up. In her latest book, The Power of a Graceful Leader, Alexis shared how you could begin to integrate who you are and how you lead. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can step into your greatness by enhancing your strengths, creating strategies to bridge gaps, and empowering your followers to do the same. Alexis, can you share with us about the dance of a graceful leader? And the reason why I chose this, because I'm a ballroom dancer, a ballroom dance instructor and so forth. So I said, oh, man, she's got that dance thing in there. I got to ask her about it. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that about you. How awesome is that? I secretly wanted to take classes. Uh-huh. So um, it's one of those things where I feel like I'd have to get over the embarrassment of my two left feet, but I think it might be uh, worth doing. So There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, on the front of the book, um, there's, a, there's an image of an infinity symbol. And mm. on the infinity symbol, there's six dots. And that, that again, was an intentional design because the infinity mm-hmm. symbol helps us understand, like imagine ballroom dancing, right? I'm sure this, <laughs> this figure eight gets played out many times, right? Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, and so for a graceful leader, moving along the continuum of this infinity symbol with any one of those tenants at any given time is, is the dance of the graceful leader. And I think when most of us learned about it when this was really in early stages, it was called mm-hmm. situational leadership, and yes. so we, meaning we would need to understand the situation and respond accordingly. Well, mm-hmm. a graceful leader, indeed, that's embedded for sure in the graceful leadership dance. Mm-hmm. But the distinction here is the embodiment. Um, a graceful leader actually embodies 
the ability to understand in an intuitive way or a heart-centered way mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. to move on that continuum at any given point. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you as a ballroom dancer can actually feel that <laughs> as I'm saying it. It is because yeah. I integrate ballroom dancing, elements of ballroom dancing in my teachings of leadership in my workshops yeah. and both from the standpoint of from the business end of the equation as well as on the personal end. So I do mm-hmm. that. And the interesting thing about it, at the end of my keynotes, whenever the venue permits, and of course the organizers know that ahead of time, I will always close out with my signature eight-minute class that is either a swing class or a mumbo. Mm. Okay, so now I'm going to have to come be in your space because I need to learn <laughs> I love that. I, and it, it is um, it, it's just a really good depiction when oftentimes when you think of grace or you Google grace, you'll see pictures mm-hmm. of ballet dancers come up, right? Because they're kind of the, the mm-hmm. standard for, the, for, for intense strength and performance yes. while right. also allowing the grace movement of your body. So, yeah, right. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. In reading your book, when we talk about grace, it's about the understanding of the other person as a leader, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you cannot be a good leader without being a good follower first. You got it. Yeah. So, and, and that applies to dancing. It, it sure does. So, so in leadership, you could be in one moment on that continuum and mm-hmm. be in a crisis management phase, right? Where you're out front, mm-hmm. you know, removing barriers, calming emotions. And literally in a nanosecond, you could have to drop back to the follower while someone else. And it's mm-hmm. that intuitive understanding and the lack of ego attachment to how you look in our perspective. Mm-hmm that is kind of the epitome of a graceful leader. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. yeah. How do you define mission, vision, and purpose? <laughs> yeah. As a leadership coach, I'm sure you understand how many times you can be in a room <laughs> with people and have to mash these words out. Okay. So in, in this book, the mission is what you do. Vision and purpose can be somewhat inter-exchanged in this book. Now, mm-hmm. in a boardroom or with executive team, that may or may not be true. So I'm going to use my own tagline or my own mission as a, my own statement as an example. Mm-hmm. So I say I create safe places for souls to show up. So what I do is I create safe places. Why I do it is for souls to show up. Mm-hmm. And so that understanding of the doing and the why very gently equates into how I need to, how I need desire, intend to be in order for this statement to be my truth and the truth that the world echoes back to me. Um, and as I wrote, and I'm guessing you also are aware, so many mm-hmm. individuals don't take the time to understand this about who it is that they are in this world. Mm-hmm. Very true. So true. Well, yeah. one of the things that is also mission sometimes can get convoluted. So yeah, it's very, very important that it's very well defined. And then mm-hmm. the vision is pretty much the end goal. I mean, the consistency mm-hmm. of being able to repeat the mission or end result in a way. And then the purpose to me is, is your behavior tendencies supporting your mission and vision. Yeah, I, that's beautiful. And well, well said. Um, I remember a time I was sitting in, um, like in the lobby of my, the company I was working for and mm-hmm. I was waiting for a customer to come in. 
And I, I looked up at the wall, and it was this beautiful, you know, engraved mission up on the wall. And we saw it yeah. a million times a day, right? And I remember mm-hmm. reading it for the first time, like really reading it and realizing that my my value system and the value that was projected up on that wall did not align. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how I had wished <laughs> that I had had that awareness <laughs> before before entering it um, into the culture, right? Because it began right. to understand how come there wasn't a great match. And not that right. that mission was bad at all. It was a very profound and robust mission. It just mm-hmm. wasn't aligned to why I was on the earth. And those, right. are, those are really good mission, vision, and vi- purposes create clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing in life. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. true. Why is connecting to a power larger than self essential in graceful leadership? One of the core... Um, foundations of a graceful leader is they understand interconnectedness of all things. Mm-hmm. And so we could start with their behavior and the outcomes to the consequences, plus or minus. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. could say um, that a graceful leader understands their impact on other humans, for sure, their impact on nature, all types of interconnected ways of being in the world, but or and to be in this most profound space of grace, um, there's this experience, and this is why gratitude, again, is a foundational part of this, there's this experience of reverence or honor. Mm-hmm. And when you have that connection to things outside of self, the way you behave adjusts itself. It's almost automatic. So you basically need to lead yourself first before you lead others. Yeah, that'd be great if we all started there, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 but it's true, though, because mm-hmm. you have to experience it yourself first before you could show someone else what to do. Sure. So, so I hear what you're saying, and I think that there's a there's a as as leaders crescendo in their mm-hmm. journey into leadership, they mm-hmm. they often move from you know let's just use an accountant, right? They go from accountant to senior accountant to manager to supervisor, and on and on and on and on. Yeah. But there's a point where, quite frankly, that you're no longer an accountant, although you are functioning over an accounting function. Right. And so there's this, and this is is one of the other patterns I found, is that the leaders that are right at that point where they aren't doing the practice that got them into the space of uh, supposed excellence, Mm -hmm. um, and now they're being called to lead a function or lead people in a, more Mm -hmm. ethereal or more vision-centered way, it's not as concrete, Mm -hmm. um, they struggle because it's it's the old adage of what got me here isn't going to get me there. And those moments in a person's leadership journey are, they're quite transformational. And Mm -hmm. you can either ascend into that if that is your calling. And sometimes you realize, you know, I just took the next promotion for this past 25 (laughs) or 30 years, but this isn't really who I want to be or what I'm up to in the world. And so that's Mm -hmm. another type of a transformation. True. Yeah. True. Yep. What can you tell us about our inner guidance system? That you have one. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, this was, this was hard for me. Um, You know, I grew up Catholic Mm -hmm. and I was a very, I practiced that faith for a long time. Mm -hmm. And in that particular faith, what was, what I learned now, maybe there was other lessons to learn and I missed them, which is highly likely was that 
um, my the power of my spiritual um, journey was happening outside of myself. If I followed these rules and this information, that outside of myself, the judgment or the whatever, this is where Catholic guilt comes in, I'm sure, um, that I that I would be worthy to whatever, right? Mm-hmm. What I what I've since learned is that for me and for a lot of people, you can still you. It doesn't mean you have to devoid yourself of your religious faith if that's indeed right. what called you. But on top of that, though, there is this inner beacon inside of you. There is a guidance system that came in with your soul that actually has you know a good ninety percent of the information you need to thrive in this life and Mm -hmm. so many of us for whatever reason give that power away whether it's to a religion to a person to a a thing it doesn't matter we we all at some point in some way some level have done or are doing that myself included Mm -hmm. so once I began to understand that this grace center inside of me was my innate way of being then I also understand how to commune with it and Mm -hmm. how to create safety for myself how to create discernment around decision-making, which was helped by the clarity of understanding my purpose. Mm-hmm. So this inner guidance system is, a, is there for you, and, and it would be amazing if more of us would wake up and cultivate that discerning nature that is who we are um, so that we can move in the world more interconnected to self and others rather mm-hmm. than handing our power off to something or someone else. That's true. Very, very true. Yeah. How do apathy and gratitude contribute to graceful leadership? I know you mentioned a little bit about gratitude in the very beginning, but mm-hmm. in the combination of both, yeah. how does that work? Well, again, gratitude is kind of the doorway into what I think more, most of the luscious things about being human are. So mm-hmm. if, you ha- if you start to really have a gratitude practice, you are most likely having some empathy for others, for earth, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, for many, many different types of experiences, there's things people are experiencing that you can't innately understand because it's not your experience, but you can right. actually have some empathy for the other in the situation. Mm-hmm. And, and a key part or underpinning for a graceful leader is that somewhere along their journey, they have an aha moment that other and self are the same. And so the thing that I do to other, I am doing mm-hmm. to self. Right? And mm-hmm. it goes back to the golden rule, right? Do unto others right. as you would do unto yourself. I mean, it yeah. really is that simple, but it's quite a heavy lift for many people, um, and including myself at many times in my life journey, to mm-hmm. really sit inside of that empathy space and then really challenge myself around my intentionality and my behavior mm-hmm. to create congruency and alignment, where mm-hmm. oftentimes it's been misaligned for me. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between being compassionate and being nice? <laughs> yeah, so this is culture work, which I'm sure you've done a fair amount of yourself. <laughs> with that. Um, I, I've been in, and I'm sure you have, uh, organizations that are really nice, right? They're just so pleasant. Um, and, and, I've, and I've spent time in those organizations uh, uh, several times long enough to understand that nice was a cover-up for not nice. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. a workplace, for example, of nicety um, is usually masquerading for something else. 
And I don't think it's I don't think it's ill intended. I don't think it's this symbolical right. thing that they're like, let's be nice so that no one sees this other thing. I don't think it's that at all. Mm. I think typically when I experience that, it's simply because they have they are uh, there's a lack of clarity in many many things in the business structure, like mm-hmm. the who what they do and how they behave. There's a big gap. Um, organization that's compassionate can also be really gritty. Right and grit inside a nice environment is hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense, or do you have any yeah. experiences yeah. that yourself? You're right. I agree with what you're saying. To me, the compassion comes from within. Being nice is just, in some ways, mm. under certain contexts, it's a situationally approached from the standpoint of it's a write-off. I'm writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. That. Now, being compassionate goes beyond that. Yeah. Yes. There's a depth to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's like much that. more sincere right depth to the current situation because you are trying to really understand the situation, the circumstances, and so forth. Versus being mm-hmm. nice is just, for lack of a better term, it's just a natural fake response. Yeah. It's a okay. Yeah. I right. Agree it, with it's you. just being pleasant. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cordially yep. pleasant from that standpoint of view. And when, when nice is underpinned with compassion, it's extremely potent. Sure. Right, but there's yes. definitely a distinction between the two. Yeah, I love that. Right, so that's yeah. the difference. Do you have any yeah. suggestions on how we could build a personal gratitude practice? And so the <laughs> easy answer is start journaling, but I will tell you that my practice has evolved, and my most favorite way to cultivate my gratitude practice is in nature. Mm-hmm. So nature has become one of my best teachers. So you asked me in the beginning, about influences, I would say Margaret yeah. Mead and Mother Nature, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I spend time walking in nature in, uh, in wonder and awe of the miracles that are in every single thing that we mm-hmm. don't see, honestly, because we don't slow down to look. So <laughs> my gratitude walks are some of my absolute favorite gra- gratitude moments in time. Where, where I'm actually embodying the feeling of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I also um, think there's a lot of really good ways to express gratitude outside of yourself. And whenever mm-hmm. you can do that, you add, you add to the collective experience of that, raising our consciousness. So mm-hmm. whether it's writing letters once a month to someone to let them know that you appreciate them, or mm-hmm. it's just a high five in the moment, um, it's definitely saying I love you to those that you love more than once a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's, lots, mm-hmm. there's lots of ways to do it. Um, but the most consistent and, and available thing for people probably is a, um, a journaling experience. Um, I know I'm going to come out with an app around gratitude challenge. Um, there's many other good ones out there. But anything mm-hmm. that can get you into that habit for 30 days is a good starting point. How does gratitude cultivate blessings? Mm. So gratitude is the window of awareness of a blessing. The blessings are there all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just the window we're looking through is often smeared with, you know, I don't even know Mm -hmm. what you have on your windows, but it could be frost. It could be oily fingerprints, (laughs) a dog's nose. It could be many Mm -hmm. things. But uh, I think gratitude is a really clear window so that you can actually witness the blessings. But they're always Mm -hmm. Mm Interesting. Very, very interesting. So what's your definition of self and soul? Yeah, so in the book's context, um, self is more about 
the construct that you've developed into your successful person called, in this case, Lexi or Johnny. Um, and mm-hmm. soul is the essence that you came into being with that's always mm-hmm. been with you that you may or may not at any point feel aligned, connected, and aware of. And one of the things that I want to make sure people understand in this book, because there's lots of different ways to look at this, this doesn't mean or there's no intention in this book to have self be wrong and soul to be right Mm -hmm. or good and bad or black and white. There's There's a, the person that you've become with all of your, you know, foibles and awesomeness is perfectly divine the way that it is. Now, you may, through this work, decide you want to elevate or shift or reframe some parts of those experiences. That would mm-hmm. be a likely outcome. But there's no, there's no need to think my ego's bad and my soul is good because that's not the truth of this experience. <laughs> it is a, it's a union and a, and a partnership more than anything. Right, right. So true. Yeah. Very, very true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Alexis Thompson. Alexis is the creator of the Tribal Gratitude Journal, a keynote speaker, a board-certified executive coach, and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. She also served as adjunct staff for the Center of creative leadership, and is the author of the Tribal Gratitude Journals, curated a collection of short stories called Gratitude 540, and is building a retreat center in Vermont that will be a safe space for souls to show up. In her latest book, The Power of a Graceful Leader, Alexis shares how you can begin to integrate who you are and how you lead. We're having a conversation about a remarkable life's journey and how you can step into your greatness by enhancing your strength, creating strategies to bridge gaps, and empowering your followers to do the same. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Alexis, how is judgment a self-protective instinct? Mm. I love how you frame this question. Um, Judgment in the framework of this book is the act of sorting out our world, right? We have Mm -hmm. the... The act of judgment in and of itself is just that. It doesn't have a good, bad, right, wrong framework. So Mm -hmm. I have to make a judgment every day. What am I going to eat? Is that going to nourish my body? You know, um, where am I going to go? There's all kinds of judgments to make decisions. The the dilemma um, is when we start uh, either projecting or transferring something that's about ourselves or an experience we've had with another onto Mm -hmm. another. So just because I've had some miserable bosses, right, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that all of the bosses that I will ever have will be miserable. So that is um, a very slippery slope when we, when we are going from a place of judging mm-hmm. other, I guess, and this, even ourselves, and that's why the pause is, even for ourselves. When we sort yeah. things as bad or good, right or wrong, that's when yeah. judgment can get to be less helpful than just the decision-making process. Right. Sorry. Very, very true. And judgment also, it's the kind of thing where it is a protective instinct from like what we're looking for protecting ourselves. But at the same time, sure. uh, we very loose again. It comes back full circle to that being nice because we are always having an opinion. Mm-hmm whether it's about ourselves or others, and usually, obviously, it's about others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
this is yeah, usually it is about the other for sure. So yeah, yeah so opinion and judgment. I'm kind of just sitting with that for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Um do you think that an opinion is an experience or does it require experience to have opinion? Judgment and experience when you break it down further is mm-hmm. when you look at self-protective instinct, okay? They all are in yep. the same group. They are collectively some total of the experience you have had in the past. Yeah. Okay. And so yep. it's fear-driven when you look at it from that perspective. Yes. And yes. And the antidote for that is to is love and acceptance. Right, right. Because when you look through the lens of love, yes. it's always about the other person. Fear is always about you. Yes. So... And a case in point would be, don't do this. Don't do that. It's not about that person shouldn't be doing this or that. It's about you. If somebody was mm-hmm. to say, hey, mom, I'm going to jump off the second floor. I tell you what, I'm going to hit that thing and roll over without breaking my leg. The first thing that comes to mind is like, are you silly? You're going to break your leg? This is a sort of a weird example. Here, but <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah. it is telling him or her not to do that simply because of you, the fear, right? Of course, there's a different yeah. part of it where you're explaining the situation. But on the other hand, when you look at love, yeah. you know what? Hang on a minute. Let me go down there, put an air bed to make sure that you hit the spot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, so you can look at it that way. In the context of work, are you going into a situation by saying that, okay, how can I contribute to your success today? Mm. Yeah, what a wonderful place to come from. Yeah, and of course... And how much more success, yeah. Precisely. And that personal official reaction is like, oh my God, am I behind? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's that judgment. Self-protective instinct. Because like, oh my God, I must be behind. And you know, yeah, that's funny how we do that to ourselves. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think so. It's it's interesting when you talk again to the concept of graceful leadership and then mm-hmm. being able to see the situation and how you present it. You say, hey, I finished my stuff and I have this free 30 minutes. And instead of piddling myself with my pen at my desk, how can I help you to yeah. go home early today, for example? Yeah. And that's the I interesting that part. Example. Again, you're looking through the lens of love rather than through the lens of fear. And then the receiver has to, again, look through the lens of love, being receiving rather than being protective. Yeah. Yeah, it opens up a bunch of new possibilities of how to be with someone else. Right. So true. Mm -hmm. Can we use grace in the face of a conflict? Oh, please do. (laughs) (laughs) So. When you drop into your grace center, when conflict shows up and you drop down into your grace center, you, mm-hmm. you have this nourishing place to, and, and a filter and a clean window, right, to mm-hmm. kind of look mm-hmm. at the situation and then, and then engage. It's much more effective to come from a place of grace and love in conflict because mm-hmm. you're typically looking for, for what's in common or at least, at least you're seeking to understand um, right. than to come in from a place of defensiveness and being right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is very powerful. Wonderful. Do you have a suggestion on the best way to introduce grace into a workplace? I do. Um, and There's a whole chapter on this, but I think the most simplistic answer to that is to just simply be your version of grace. What, what in, very interestingly has happened, and I have several case studies now to 
kind of speak to is that when a leader, and they aren't, they aren't a CEO, they're, they're senior executives, but they're not the top dog in any of these mm-hmm. cases. And, mm-hmm. and they, over a couple of years of time, it's taken time, have dropped into their graceful leader capabilities and efforts. And all of a sudden, the results are more astounding than when they weren't because they're finding their flow and they're, they have extreme clarity. And as we all know, one of the biggest mischiefs that leaders suffer from is clear or lack of clear communication. Mm-hmm. So when you clear up your communication and you're concise and you're moving in a direction, people understand where they're going and, and all the noise, all the nonsense just kind of falls away. Um, and so when you are being that graceful leader, your results will demonstrate something and people will start asking you what you're doing differently. And mm-hmm. then you get, then you can start into a conversation, whether you use the word grace or not, you can start to have behavioral conversations with your peer group or your boss about mm-hmm. some of the shifts that you're making as a graceful leader and be the change you want to see in the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. What is the greatest challenge for someone to become a graceful leader? the willingness to, to be still long enough and committed long enough to look inside, to do your own work. And it's a so very ju- courageous thing to do. Yeah. And the journey is within, basically. Yeah. It starts within because how else are you going to be clear? How else are you going to know where you're going? How else are you going to understand some of your neurosis, right? The reason mm-hmm. that you do some of these other things that maybe didn't get you the intent. Your intention was A, and you hope to get B, but you ended up with F, and you're trying to understand mm-hmm. that disconnect. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, it's just a misalignment. And in the book, I actually help people understand. I gave a very raw um, experience of a misalignment inventory. And that mm-hmm. work is not easy to do. Um, and it is a prerequisite to dropping into grace. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, thank you for asking. So um, you can just put my name in the system, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all those places, and um, we can connect there. I also have AlexisThompson.com, and most recently Ubuntu, a safehaven.com, which is the safe place we're building here in Vermont for an intimate, intensive retreat experience. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Fantastic. Do share more about your retreat. Yeah. So um, when I, I think I'm going to need a different word, but I don't know <laughs> what the other word is. Maybe it'll come to you. So it's, it's a retreat center in the way that you actually retreat yourself into yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways to experience it. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I'm able to get, um, you know, small groups of eight-ish people on site for periods of time over a year to do mm-hmm. that deep internal work, to keep the commitment mm-hmm. to, the, to the, their own grace center and have mm-hmm. that transformation and evolution and then mm-hmm. go back into their world where they have to reenter and integrate and be supporting them there as well. That's fantastic. That sounds really good. When are you planning to get that started? Yeah, mm-hmm. so COVID, COVID was a blessing and a curse, right, for all of us in some ways. Right. And so um, – the great news is we'll be more ready because we have had an extra year than we would have been otherwise. Um, but I'm hoping we'll be able to have our first um, intimate retreat here in October of this year, but we mm-hmm. will see how that goes. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. 
What is next yeah. for you? Oh, gosh, there's so much. Um, in the <laughs> writing phase, I'm writing a, tro- a series of children's books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm rebranding the Tribal Gratitude Journal. So all of it comes under Gratitude 540 and cabins mm-hmm. and places and places and things. So there's a lot to do in gardening. We're hopefully we're becoming <laughs> a permaculture environment. So there's a lot. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? I would. And and it's not going to be a surprise. It's a pretty rote answer for me. It, <laughs> if you don't have a gratitude practice, I encourage you to tr- to give it a try. Take it for a spin in whatever venue or way, journaling, walking, an app, it doesn't matter. Um, and then just be willing to be still and bear witness to the miracles and the magic that unfolds itself in your life and go from there. Wonderful. Alexis, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in three weeks, Tuesday morning, March 30th. My guest will be Martin Cooper. Martin is the inventor of the cell phone. April 3rd is the 47th anniversary of his invention that transformed humanity. To celebrate Martin's contribution to the world, he and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his newly released book, Cutting the Cord. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Alexis, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. You too. Take care, Johnny. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.